We're really, I'm really glad John's with us. Um, not only does he have four great kids who have obviously been taught RE very well, <laughs> uh, but we're really blessed to be part of the community that he's leading. Yeah. He's doing a great job of mobilising us for mission in these places and, and stirring up things like listening ear and, and so on. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to what you have to bring to us this morning, John. Thank yeah, you so you. much. Um, friends, do you want to turn to the book of Numbers and chapter 10? I'm just going to pray. Lord... We love you so much, for you first loved us. And Lord, we feel ourselves so well resourced. Lord, we've got the resources of heaven. Lord, you've given us your word, and you've given us your spirit. And you send the spirit in wave upon wave to us again and again. I pray, Lord... Right now, even as we're sat here, I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to come powerfully in this place. As we look at the Word of God, Holy Spirit, come on the Word that you first inspired the writing of. And speak to our hearts and stir something. I pray, Lord, for, for faith to be strengthened. I pray for inspiration from heaven. I pray for fresh vision. I pray for, for you to instruct us or to, even to correct us if there's anything like that that you need to do. Lord, have your way, have your agenda. Holy Spirit, come use the word of God to do us good now, I pray. And we ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So in Numbers chapter 10, just so you understand what's going on, we're at one of those interesting moments, there's quite a few of them really in the Old Testament, we're at a, we're at a moment of a, a something new happening. So you'll be very, very familiar, of course, with the story of the Exodus. So uh, Israel has come out of Egypt, they passed through the waters of baptism. By the way, I loved hearing your stories of baptism that James shared about Praise God for salvation that you're seeing here. Hallelujah. More, Lord. More baptisms. All over Norfolk and Suffolk. More, Lord. But anyway, Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea as if through the waters of baptism. And they come out. And they're born again as a nation. They, they come out as a kind of a gathering of tribes. They're born again as a nation. And they're led by the Spirit into the wilderness. A bit like Jesus was led after his baptism through the wilderness. And they're, they're led to the mountain of Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, the, the, the law is given to them on the mountain through Moses. Of course, it's a disaster because almost before uh, they've breathed, they've rebelled, they break the law, and uh, Moses smashes the tablets. It's a catastrophe, and yet in his mercy, the Lord uh, deals with their sin just as he deals with our sin and rebellion too. And uh, in the kindness of God, the covenant that's almost immediately been broken is renewed and restored. Such compassion and mercy that God has for his people. And so now we find ourselves, not only are they a nation, but they are a covenant nation. They, they, They are now in covenant relationship with God. And in Numbers chapter 10, what we find is that it's the very first time that they break camp as a covenant nation. They're going to leave Mount Sinai and the Lord is going to begin to lead them into what he's got for them. And so, as is often the case with these sort of new seasons, new, these moments that God has with his people, they're instructive for us when we're at moments of change or transition. They, they teach us all kinds of interesting things. 
So I'm going to read uh, some, some of this through to you, um, starting from verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, make two silver trumpets. How cool, we had a silver trumpet earlier today. Fantastic, thank you. <coughs> make two silver trumpets of hammered work, you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel, shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. But when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. The trumpets shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> I'm just going <clears> to <throat> just briefly highlight one or two things uh, here, and then we'll, we'll carry on a bit further into the passage. But it's interesting that at this moment, uh, the, the Lord gives instruction to Moses about something new. These, these two silver trumpets, as far as I can see, as you go back before Numbers 10, is there are no trumpets. This is like new technology. This is a new phenomenon. This is a new thing. In fact, I'm very slightly being naughty because there is one trumpet actually before then. And it's the trumpet that sounds from heaven. Interestingly then, the Lord moves first from heaven with the sound of the trumpet and then there is a, a kind of a corresponding move on earth where God instructs his people to do what he has been doing, to join in with him and they are to make these two trumpets. What's the purpose of them? Uh, it was interesting that there were some clear instructions were given as to what happens when you toot your trumpet. I don't know, we might, I almost feel like I want some trumpet toots as a kind of an audio-visual aid here. I don't know if our trumpeter might have some... What do you reckon? Has he, got, has he got it in him to give us a toot? Give us a short blast or an alarm or a toot or something, whatever you, th- whatever you feel like. Yay! Woo! <laughs> so... I don't know exactly what the technical uh, stuff in Numbers 10 for what's an alarm and what's of this and what's of that. But the key point was that it's got a lot to do with communication. The point was that those trumpet sounds were for communication and the people all needed to know exactly what to do. They needed to know how to respond, where to respond... It was all about communication. So I just say to, uh, to you, your eldership team, it's a, a season and a, a, a time for effective communication. As, a, as we're coming back, it's great to see you, you guys back here together. I think you've done really well. Uh, but it's a season for the elders to, 
if anything, to increase communication. As people are coming back, we need to be refreshed in knowing what we're about, what we're meant to be giving ourselves to, what's the vision, where are we going. It's a time for clear communication so that every single person knows what they are meant to be doing and where they're meant to be. Secondly, um, I noticed from this that it's got a lot to do with gathering. Did you notice that? You blow the trumpet and you gather. Sometimes it's the leaders gathering, sometimes it's everyone gathering, but the communication is a calling forth to gather. And I I want to kind of like, uh, uh, for, for our kind of toot, it's time to be together. We've been separated for the last couple of years. It's now a time to be together. I'm tooting the trumpet for it's a season to be together. And I, I love what uh, James was saying there earlier about the small groups too. Did, did you notice how in that description, sometimes it's like a small group gathering of leaders gathering together. Sometimes it's everyone gathering together. Sometimes it's the east side. Sometimes it's the west side. So, clear instruction. Gather together here. Gather together to pray. Gather together in the small group. So if you're not in the small group already, I'm tooting the toot, you need to get into one of the small groups. If you are kind of perhaps even just visiting here today, perhaps you're just easing your way back in, I'm tooting my toot to say, get here week by week. We need to be back together again. And as your elders call you to pray, whether it's on Zoom or in person or however you're doing it as a church, I'm tooting that toot as well because I really want to highlight the end of that section where as the, as this, the, the, as the trumpet is sounded, there's something strange about it. It talks um, about, uh, in verse 9, at the end of verse 9, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and be sa- you shall be saved from your enemies. Now, God never forgets. When it talks about God remembering, it means God acting on what he's already said he's going to do. But there is a response from heaven to the prayers of God's people. And so there is the the toot, come together and pray that God will hear you and he will move. So I want to particularly emphasise to you as a church, just to say, I'm preaching from Numbers 10 around the churches at the moment, but you can see I've got a little yellow highlighter here. I really feel for you as a local church that God wants to call you to a fresh, invigorated and renewed season of prayer, prayer, prayer. I think there's people in here, I'm looking around here, I think there's people in here, you know how to pray, you've prayed for years this is a praying church. It's prayer is the seat, it's a time to pray. It's a time to pray. It's a time to pray together. Get praying. And if you've, I'm sure you've got opportunities already. Come on, let's prioritise them. Let's get stuck into them. And maybe even as elders, to even be thinking about whether there are any additional things that we might do, any, any initiatives that we might take. I'll just tell you something that uh, we're doing in Deerham at the moment uh, uh, it, it, it's not my idea, but it, uh, it's, it's a great initiative. For the month of March, we have uh, encouraged one another to pray down our street 15 minutes a day. So you get some exercise, and you go out there and you pray, and you just pray for the, the blessing of God on each house down there. You ask for his mercy to come into your community, 
And who knows, you might even speak to someone while you're there and you can tell them, I'm just praying that God would bless you today, that God would do you good. I'm, I'm one of Jesus' people. I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. Most of us in here look like we're capable of walking. You could probably keep it up for 15 minutes. Um, and you, you, all live in, you all live somewhere, I'm assuming that. So you've got a street or you've got a, a close or a something. I don't know, it's just an idea. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. But I want to... I want to toot my toot to you as a church about a fresh galvanising in prayer, a calling to prayer, spiritual warfare prayer. Let's, um, let's read on. Uh, verse 11 then. In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from the tabernacle of the testimony and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies. And over their company was Nashon, the son of Aminadab. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Issachar was Nathanael, the son of Zuar. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helon. And when the tabernacle was taken down, the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari who carried the tabernacle set out. And the standard of the camp of Reuben set out by their companies. And over their company was Eliza, the son of Shedur. And, and, so, and so it goes on. We, we read the instruction uh, that's given to each of the tribes about how they're to go about breaking camp. We've got in verse 25, the standard of the camp of the people of Dan, acting as the rear guard of all the camps, and so on. So you can read that a little bit more later on. Um, I'm just watching the clock a bit. So I I find this this, uh, account really interesting as a a bit of a a pattern for, for us, actually. What we, what we see here is that there is a, a great unity for the nation. They're, they're one nation, one covenant nation, and as the trumpet sounds, they begin to break camp and move. God says what to do, they do it. It's one of those moments when Israel is told by God to do something and then they do it. Hallelujah. There's lots of moments when God says this is what they used to do and they don't, but this is one of the good, the good days. That's great. So, the context is unity. They're one nation. They're one people. But interestingly, within that unity, there is also order and organisation. It's very, very interesting. What we see happening there is that each, literally each person knows where they belong They even know who the leader is that they are meant to be kind of gathering to and they're named. And there's even a description, I don't quite know what it would look like, but there's a description that each of those groupings has a standard. I mean, I'm imagining kind of Roman legions or a flag or I don't know. I mean, something that you could see, an umbrella if you're walking around a place with foreign tourists or whatever it is. But there was something very visible and identifiable, and personal. Their unity was not theoretical. You know, man, we've got this mystical unity, man. It's really cool. Look, they they knew, okay, we go there, and and that bloke will, will tell us when to get going. They knew exactly what to do. 
So th- this works in different ways. I mean, I know in one sense what I'm describing here is just the bloom and obvious, but it's great to see it just kind of mapped out in Scripture. Unity, the oneness, and the different groupings within that. So you could use that as a template for us as relational mission. We are not the only Christians on the planet. <laughs> Obviously, we're part of something so much bigger, the worldwide church. I mean, in relational mission, we've got just three churches in Ukraine, okay? It's a small thing. If you know anything about Ukraine, there are a lot of Christians there. The church there, a church grew rapidly in revival and there's been sustained growth through that revival. It's brilliant. I've I've had the privilege some years ago of of going out there. God's done good things with the church and the churches in that nation. So relational mission is a small player, but we've got a part there. Actually, New Frontiers, the kind of the wider kind of like uh, grouping of the family of families that we originate from in relational mission has got literally hundreds of churches in Ukraine. I mean, it's going to be chaos, scattering, but there, before the, the war, eight years ago, started, hundreds of churches, and in fact, as the people from those eastern regions have already been moving west for eight years, as they've travelled, what they've tended to do is to plant more churches as they've moved. God's been at work in great ways in this wider family that we're part of, hundreds of churches. But I can tell you that New Frontiers are not the only Christians operating in Ukraine. There are all kinds of of, of people who follow the Lord Jesus in that uh, country. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but um, the biggest biggest, uh, Christian church in the mainland of Europe has been in Kiev. Tens of thousands of followers of Jesus in a monster, incredibly multinational Pentecostal church, the biggest church on the whole of the mainland, tens of thousands of people. They might do things a little bit differently to us, uh, but we're not tens of thousands. But anyway, God bless them, they love, they love Jesus. And, uh, so, the point I'm making is that we're part of something bigger, but by having clarity about who we're following and how we're organising ourselves is not, a, is not disunity. So we, we can be in good relationship with the, the other New Frontiers kind of like uh, apostolic spheres and ministries working in Ukraine. And we can have good fellowship with other believers who love the gospel, love Jesus in our towns and in our regions. Of course we can. It's not disunited to say, but there, we've also got some organisation here. God's given us some specific leadership for us to follow. And you can see that pattern then sort of, as you sort of drop it down almost, working within relational mission. I describe these so-called relational mission communities, smaller groupings within RM. Is RM splitting up? No, we're not splitting up. We're one family together, but we've got these groupings. So we know how to work together to care for one another effectively. We know one another. We know the name. We know the face and so on and so forth. And, And even within your local church, uh, we, we've heard that today, haven't we? You're, you're one church, but you're meeting in the small groups. Well, does that mean we're divided because we're meeting in small groups? Of course not. It's how we're, we're putting our unity and our love into practice. We need the small, the, the accountable, the intimate, don't we? That's the way it works. So, this is, about, uh, this is about unity, but there's also variety. And if we had time to look more carefully in Numbers 10, we see that some of the different tribes, or even clans within the tribes, have particular tasks to play. 
Some of them were like the ones that set the tabernacle up and down or others who carried it or whatever. So even local churches might have a particular contribution to make, something distinct and unique that they offer. So I just wonder what the Lord prophetically has said to you as a church over the years. What is the destiny, the contribution that God has spoken over you, the part for you to play? It's an interesting question to consider. Maybe there are prophetic words going back some years that you know. Maybe there will be fresh instructions from heaven. Make some silver trumpets. We've never had silver trumpets before. Behold, I do a new thing. That's what God's like. Maybe prophetic ministry will come. You've got your new eldership. It's very much a new season for you. Maybe there'll be some fresh promises from God saying, this is some beautiful things. Works prepared in advance to do. Ephesians 2.10. We tend to think of that in terms of, well, what's the work you've got for me to do Jesus so I can make a reputation for myself? Everyone can think I'm a great Christian. No, no. It's works for you to do. Yeah? <laughs> we do them together. So, yeah, perhaps your church will be known in the way that perhaps the church in Thessalonica might be known for this or the church in Ephesus might be known for that. A church in Beckles might be known for the other as the Lord works something out through you together and the report can spread. Have you heard what the Lord is doing now in the church in Beckles? Well, they're having all these baptisms. The word can spread. But, I mean, may you be known for a church that does lots of baptisms. Hallelujah. But I'm sure there's some other things as well. Hmm, I've got one minute. Can, can I steal a bit more of your time? Is that all right? I don't know, are you with me? Anyone, anyone need to go and get their lunch? If you need to get your lunch, go. But I'm gonna do, I want to do the last bit, if that's all right. There's like a really amazing... I, I, I love the way God's Word does this. It's so often. So we've got this massive thing going on. The whole nation's being organised. And then the next thing we read is two blokes having a chat. It's like... Well, hang on a minute, I thought we were talking about the nation. And now it's two blokes having a chat. So, verse 29. And Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, this is Moses speaking, we're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to Israel. But he, so that's this Hobab guy, he said to him, Moses, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my kindred. And he, Moses, said, please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same will we do to you. So they set out from the mount of the Lord, three days' journey, And the Ark of the Covenant went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And you could read the rest. This is such an interesting little account. I will try and be brief. But there's something very precious in this little encounter between Moses and this relative of his. It's a little bit obscure as to exact relationship. Actually, it doesn't matter. Family relationship. Moses is saying, come with us. In a sense... It's like, in that little invitation, is the very nature of who we are as the people of God in the earth at the moment. We've been entrusted with the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, followers. Do you know what the followers, the disciples, were first known as? They were known as the way. 
that later they got called Christians, little Christs. But before that, they were known as the way because they were on a journey. They were walking by faith. Moses is saying, we are on a journey. Come with us. When you get baptised, it's not like in that moment, it's job done, stick you in the cabinet case. We've got a cabinet case at the back there. I can see there's like a china dog or two. Beautiful. Lovely, beautiful. No dust because they're all in the, in the cabinet. Beautiful. Oh, look, the person's been baptised. Now put them in the cabinet. Beautiful. They've been saved. Lovely. No, that's not what it's about. Israel go through the waters of the Red Sea and they don't just literally stand on the edge of the sea and then kind of go like this. A journey is just beginning. Moses says, come with us. Come with us. We're going somewhere. We're on a journey. We're on a mission. We're following the Lord. And do you know what? He's told us that where he goes, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. So where is it you're going? We're not quite sure, but he's told us it's going to be really good. Uh, That's not very convincing. No, honestly, he's promised us. If you come with us, all the good stuff that we're going to get, you're going to be in on it too. We're going to party together. This is our great commission to say to the people of Beckles, the villages around here, and maybe the towns around here too, and as God enables us to the nations to, come with us. In a sense, there's nothing special about us except one thing, God's with us. That's our job, to invite people to come. We need to preach that kind of a gospel. We're not just saying, get saved, that's the end. Put your hand up, pray one prayer, okay, get baptised, job done. No, that's just the beginning. We say, come with us. There's a mission, there's a purpose, there's a journey. I I, I don't know you all, I I recognise quite a few faces today, but I don't know you all. I wonder whether there's even some people here today that have perhaps just been coming along to the church. Could even be your first Sunday for all I know. I feel like I want to say the same thing to you. Come with us. Come with us. This church is not simply sitting here on a Sunday and that's it, go home and then we'll just come back next Sunday. We're going somewhere. We're about a mission. We're about a work. It's about reaching Beckles, the area around, but we're also connected to the nations. We care about mission in Ukraine, not just helping people. We want churches to be planted. I mean, I, I know what you know, Rod and Heather are involved with. They, that's just two people from here. We are part of something. I, I just want to say to you, come on the journey. <laughs> be a part of it. Get stuck in. And I also just want to say to you as a church, I mean, it's a bit pointless saying it really, but at a heart level, come and be a part of what we're doing in the community. I mean, I know your elders have said you're in, so you sort of haven't got much option in it, but you could sort of say, well, I'm just interested in Beckles, that's enough for me. All that, all that wider stuff, not interested. What's that all about? I just want to say to you, come with us, play your part. You know, James was mentioning the Listening Ear Conference. If you're longing for more prophetic in the life of the church, for this Sunday meetings to be so overwhelmed with contributions that the poor preacher just can't get on, you need to invest. Get alongside people who will stir you and, and you'll catch something from them. So get along to the Listening Ear Conference uh, next Saturday, for example. So come and get stuck in. Come on the journey with us. Did you notice, though, that for Hobab, there is a moment of real danger? Did you see that? What does Hobab say to the invitation? He says, no, no, I'm not coming. What does he say? I'm going to stay with my people. I'm going to stay in my place. Wow. Now, can I just say 
to people who live in a small market town like Adirum or a Beckles, that there is a peculiar danger of parochialism, of thinking that you know, our market town is what the world is all about for us and we don't need to go any further. I mean, I, I know people in North Norfolk who kind of will go to Norwich once a year. You know, it's like... And they don't like it even then. It's like... I just feel as God's people, we, our hearts should be a bit more expansive than that. To be caught up, our God's big. He's a God of all the nations. He's a God of all the earth. And it's like, it, to restore Beckles is too small a thing. There's the villages and towns all the way around here. There, there are people and places for us to play a part with. There's a danger in parochialism, and I just want to poke that a little bit. I don't think it's kingdom of God thinking. It's a kind of a particular way of worldly thinking that, that villages and market towns uh, are attacked by. So we need to say, no, I serve the king of the nations and so I'm very interested in what he's doing in all the earth and I want to see the kind of like the region beyond, not just literally. Yeah, prayer walk down my street, but I'm also concerned for the village down there and the town just over there. Lord, what are you going to do there too? It's both and, it's not either or. If we just focus on what we've got here, we will shrivel up eventually. God is the expansive, overflowing God of abundance, not the God of just keep it small and local. It's just not the way he is. And I just loved the bit. It's almost like Moses got like 1 Corinthians uh, in his back pocket. He'd just been reading it when he chatted to Hobab. And he said, oh, you know, it's a bit like we're a body. You know, the eye can't function without the ear. Did you notice that? He said, you, 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 you're like the eye. And I will be blind without you, Hobab, because you can see some things that no one else can see. There's a part for you to play. And so, I, I mean, uh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's there. It's, it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 for us. I would just say to every one of you, don't be a Hobab that thinks, no, I'm just going to stay in my, in my house just gonna, it's just me and my little place. There's a part for you to play. For you as a church, don't have a hobab spirit. There's a part for you to play. That's what I'm trying to encourage you to, to think. It's Beckles, but it's also beyond Beckles. There's a part, there's a unique part to play. As a relational mission community in this season of our working, if you don't play your part, we will in some way, shape or form be blind. Something will be missing if you don't play your full part. We need you. God, God's connected you to us. We need one another. And you will, do, you will not do well if you just try to be a pair of eyes <laughs> and, and have nothing else. You need the help that can come to you just as there's something for you to contribute. It's two-way. It's not one-way. It's two-way. There is a part for you guys to play. And then I'm just going to finish with, with the beautiful mystery at the end. So Moses saying to Hobab, we need you to see where we're going to go. And then what's literally the next thing that we read? Uh, and then the ark goes on three days' journey ahead and finds the place where we're supposed to be. <laughs> well, hang on a minute, Moses. You've just told Hobab he's got to find the place. And now the ark has mysteriously gone on a journey. I, I mean, how does an ark sort of walk off on its own? What, how does that work? I mean, it's metaphorical language, of course. But the Lord was, was, was leading through the ark to where to go. So, is Hobab going to see, or is the ark going to lead? It's a bit like, was it you that did it, or was it God working through you? Yes. <laughs> Both, and. That's the way God works, isn't it? God works through us 
It's his power working, and yet there's a beautiful dignity that he gives to us, so we're genuinely caught up in his purposes. What a beautiful thing that is. And I just want to finish with this lovely thought. The ark went on a three-day journey ahead to prepare a place for them. Does that remind you of someone who's gone on ahead to prepare a place for us? How wonderful the Lord Jesus is. Thank you for indulging me by taking up more of your time. Can I just pray for you? Um, James, do we need to be quite tight now? Are we okay? All right. Let's pray. If you're able to and you're comfortable doing it, do you want to just stand with me? So I just asked the Lord if there was something he wanted to uh, say to you guys um, this morning. And I, I've, the Lord just showed me the log basket in my lounge, which is nearly empty at the moment. I need to go and refuel the log basket. And I felt the Lord said that there may be some people today that are feeling like a bit empty, a bit like they need some fresh Holy Spirit fuel. So if that's you, I'm going to pray for you. If you want to, you could just put your hand up and then if there are people around you who see that, they might just gently lay their hands on you and pray for you as well. So if you want to, do, if you want to raise your hand right now so we can see you, you can, but you don't have to. It's up to you. Okay? So you might just want to look around you because I can see a number of hands. So let's, lay, let's get ready to lay hands on. But I'm praying for all of us. Lord, Lord, if our log basket feels a bit empty today, Lord, it might be spring and we might be thinking it's time to put the log basket away. No, it's time for fueling it up and filling it up. So in the name of Jesus, I say, be filled, full to overflowing with the beautiful, beautiful presence and person of the Holy Spirit. Be filled, be full. Let, let even fire come to fuel you. Mixing the metaphors around a bit there. Let fire come to fuel you. Let the fire of God come into your hearts now to strengthen you. In the name of Jesus, where the basket is empty because we need some comfort to come because it's been so tough. In the name of Jesus, I'm praying for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's right. I'm praying for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to come to you. May his love tenderly touch you and bless you. May you know the Father loves you. He loves you so much. He'll never abandon you. Many might, but he never will abandon you. He loves you so much. Holy Spirit, please move in this place now. Do the things that you want to do beyond what I can even ask. Meet with needs. Touch hearts. Lord, even some of the things that I've been speaking about this morning... I ask, Lord, now, I want to almost like metaphorically strike the match. In the name of Jesus, strike the match and let, the, let, let what's gone into those heads and hearts now begin to burn within some dreams and some visions, some fresh faith for some new things. In Jesus' name, strike that match, Lord Jesus, I pray on the people of God here. And maybe there's some old things Maybe there's some old things. There's, there's old stuff in the bottom of my log basket, right at the bottom. It's been in there for ages. Maybe that needs to come to the top. So in the name of Jesus, where there are some dreams and some visions, some prophetic promises which have got a bit dusty and buried and been in the, they've gotten to the bottom, 
and they've almost got neglected. Now, in the name of Jesus, I say, it's a new season. It's a new season. I'm praying, Lord, that you will draw those up. Even now, if God, the Holy Spirit, is wanting to do that, he'll be calling something to mind right now. You don't need to go digging for it. He'll bring it up right now, whatever those things could be for you. It might be for an initiative. It may be there's someone that you've stopped praying for, and the Lord is saying to you, I want you now to start praying for that child who's been wandering for a long time. I'm giving you fresh faith to go and pray again for them in the name of Jesus. I know you got weary. I'm now giving you fresh strength for the new season to pray again. I pray, Lord, for prodigals. And I pray, Lord, for the parents, the hearts of parents who are breaking over prodigals. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will minister and you will put fresh hope in our hearts to pray and to pray again. Lord, I know I've said so much this morning. Lord, would you now sift it, take it, and Lord, any that is good and helpful, let it be like seed finding very good soil. Let it bear fruit. Let it, let it take root. Let it germinate. Let it take root. Let it mature. Let it fruit. And anything that's unnecessary or not helpful, let it be blown away right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.